I had sort of a scare in my family. My mom actually had a cancer scare and everything ended up being fine. But there was this really scary couple of weeks where my family and I didn't know it was going to happen, didn't know how serious it was going to be. And there is just this feeling of total hopelessness and feeling like there was literally nothing to do other than worry. And so when thankfully we found out she was okay, I just kind of had this moment of, oh my gosh, if this comes back around and the odds of somebody in my life, somebody really close to me actually having cancer and having to go through a fight with cancer, I don't want to be reacting to that when it happens. I want to do everything I can to get rid of this awful disease ahead of time. From Haymakers for Hope, this is not every fight ends at the bell. Haymakers for Hope exists to knock out cancer the only way we know how. Fighting for a cure through charity boxing. Thanks to generous supporters and more than 1,000 ass-kicking do-gooders, Haymakers has raised over $22 million for cancer research, care, awareness, and survivorship. But the March Towards a Cure continues long after the last bell of each event. I'm Julie Kelly. I'm Todd Buster Paris. We know firsthand because we are not just your hosts, we are also survivors. On this podcast, we will highlight the stories of fighters, survivors, organizations, and supporters. Not every fight ends at the bell. Round one. On this episode, we speak with Steph California Kent. Steph fought in our 2013 event at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City, Training out of Mendez Boxing, she raised over $7,000. Steph, welcome to the show. How did you hear about Haymakers and what got you involved in the cause? Well, it's funny because I um, I actually didn't mean to sign up for Haymakers, <laughs> which is uh, really wild to think about for how much it has totally impacted and changed the course of my life. But um, I had sort of a scare in my family. My mom actually had a cancer scare and everything ended up being fine. But there was this really scary couple of weeks where my family and I didn't know it was going to happen, didn't know how serious it was going to be. And there is just this feeling of total hopelessness and feeling like there was literally nothing to do other than worry. And so when thankfully we found out she was okay, I just kind of had this moment of, oh my gosh, if this, uh, you know, comes back around and the odds of somebody in my life, somebody really close to me actually having cancer and having to go through a fight with cancer, I don't want to be reacting to that when it happens. I want to do everything I can to get rid of this awful disease ahead of time. So inspired me to do um, some sort of fundraising and I hate running. So I knew I didn't want to do a marathon. And then, uh, of course, we all know road work is such a big part of boxing. So I didn't really uh, end up avoiding that in the end. But um, I think I saw on um, some email list, I was pretty new to New York. I'd only lived there about a year or so and um, saw this uh, this ad in an email that was like, uh, you know, KO cancer, not every fight ends at the bell, all of the good, uh, you know, pump up language that that my friends at Haymakers use. And I thought I was signing up to get more information. And then I got this email that was like, congratulations, you've been matched for a fight. So, and I actually... 
I'm sorry, I got to stop you there. So yeah. you, here you are. You think that you're signing up for more information. Just join the email yes. list, get a little bit more information. Exactly. And then you get the message that most people love getting. Congratulations, yes. you have been accepted. Yeah. So uh, go on. Right. So your reaction to that is... Well, so also just to set the stage, I have never been an athlete, nonetheless athletic in my life. I think at this point I was doing like some light yoga maybe once or twice a week, but outside of gym class, I never did competitive sports. I was like a drama nerd. I like got excused from having to do PE class because I did extra choir classes. <laughs> like I was just not someone who had any sport, nonetheless competitive sport part of her life. So I wrote back right away, just like the general uh, info email I could find on the website being like, thanks so much, but um, I'm actually not going to be able to do this. And I think Andrew wrote back to me saying, you know, just come to the session, just check it out. And thankfully did because I went to this information session, got so pumped up about it. And just once I saw the level of the event, the amount of money and like the real impact of this raised, I knew I had to do it. Like it was, I felt like I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but had got an opportunity for this thing that looked so fun and so special. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, you know, looked at me as I was out the door on the way to this thing. He's like, you're going to what? And I was like, yeah, he just said to come learn about it. Maybe I'll volunteer or something, but really had no intention of, of doing this fight. So, so that was the first time I tried to quit. And then there's actually a second time I tried to quit Hayden which was when I showed up for the first day at the gym. And in addition to being a non-athlete, I was also very much a non-morning person. And at my gym in New York, I trained at Mendez. Everybody sort of jokes that there are two gyms. There's the morning gym and the night gym. And the trainer that I had been paired up with, Moses Sanchez, was a very much morning person. He is, you get up, the first thing you do is box. You start your day with boxing. You don't let anything else get in the way of your training. You start your day with your mission, with your practice in mind. And so, you know, just the idea of, I think I had to be there at seven, which now I think of as like sleeping in because boxing made me such a morning person. But so the other time I wanted to quit was that first workout was so intense, so hard. I was so out of shape, but I also loved it right away. It was so fun. It was so unlike anything else that I had ever done. And after I got through that first that first training session, I knew I was going to compete. So this is the thing with you trained out of Mendez boxing. So we hear tons of stories about Mendez boxing. That's where Julie had trained as well. So yeah. what can you tell us about what makes Mendez boxing have the reputation of pain and torture Ooh. that comes with Mendez boxing. <laughs> and pride well, and success. Yeah. Pr pr pride and success as well. Yes. Um, gosh, and it's like hard to talk about it without getting emotional because um, the man, Francisco Mendez, who um, started the gym, owned the gym, really horribly passed away um, a couple of years ago during the pandemic. And the location of the gym, thank you. I'm duly knows too. It's just like the biggest loss to the world and to, to boxing in New York, but in the, that gym actually closed as well. But 
it's just like the most magical place. And I don't think you can even like actually describe it unless you've trained there. It's become my favorite thing to take people who visit New York to, to just come do a boxing lesson with me because you just see every level of boxer. There's, you know, people who are in there super cute workout outfits who are, you know, have heard that it's a really good way to exercise. There's amateurs, there's professionals, there are coaches who have been, you know, teaching boxing longer than I've been alive. There are uh, coaches who are younger, retired fighters themselves who are trying to get into coaching. It's just like, it's almost like any moment in that gym is a snapshot of every level of boxing that you can have all at the same time. And what I think is really special about that, especially in a place, a city like New York, where there are so many boxing gyms and there are so many sort of places that specialize in kickboxing or in amateur fighting or in professional fighting or in more, uh, you know, models who are trying to get in shape and get the benefits of the sport for that. By having sort of a mix of all of these peoples and all of these cultures within boxing, all of these people who do boxing all over the world, it's a really, really heavily international gym. You just kind of get this love for the sport that is really special and unlike any other place that you can that you can practice the sweet science. Everyone in Haymakers gets a, a page. It's a fundraising page. And they everyone gets an interesting quote that they can put on. Some people will quote uh, their favorite boxer. Some people will put quotes in about, you know, the fight and fighting cancer. And your quote is, I wanted to quit after the first day, <laughs> but happy I didn't. So tell us more about yeah. that because... Steph, I did not know that you accidentally signed up or did not mean to sign up. So reading that, rereading, looking at your your fighter page, your your fundraising page, seeing that quote, now it makes a lot of sense. So, so you, did, you didn't know that at the time. I, if I knew it, I I don't remember okay. it. Okay, so that's hysterical. It's even yeah, better. and I'm not I'm not proud of this. Like just to be clear, like we're saying <laughs> the word quit a lot, which I don't. I hope doesn't reflect like my experience with, with boxing, but, um, but yeah, I think like, it, and it's funny, it's actually like part of what's so special about haymakers is you're very rarely as, you know, for me, a young professional who I think I was 23 or 24 at the time that, of my fight, I had moved to New York for this job that was my dream job that I was so excited to be working at this nonprofit. And, you know, you're just not in a lot of, situations where you're as uncomfortable as boxing can make you just, I mean, the physical pain, the physical discomfort of getting up early, depriving yourself of the junk food that you love to eat of, you know, putting your body through this really rigorous training. And that's nothing to say about the um, psychological element when you start sparring. And there are these people in the gym who are more experienced than you, uh, who are more confident than you. And it's really scary. It is, you know, I'm not going to say it's not terrifying to get in the ring, especially if you don't have any background and any experience in it. So, you know, the temptation of quit is just kind of all around you all the time. But that's the really remarkable thing about Haymakers for Hope in the organization is they teach you how to sort of channel all these feelings of discomfort and put them onto a cause that's bigger than you, bigger than any one bad day that you're having in a gym, better than bigger than any, you know, four month training period, bigger than any fight, because you're just always thinking about the people that you're fighting for, the people that don't get to have the choice to quit because they're confronted with this really horrible battle battle with cancer. And um 
and that's the thing that I think is really life changing. And, uh, you know, I'll, I guess I'll hang on to the word quit in that context that choosing not to quit is, you know, kind of a privilege when it comes to boxing. In terms of hanging on, what do you think it was? I know you, you, your coach was Moises, who was in my corner um, for a few fights for the Golden Gloves. Mm-hmm. And I do know that he is also well known for having a really amazing group of early rising women who he puts mm-hmm. on. So, you know, do you think that having that community within the gym on top of the Haymakers community really helped keep you in there and oh challenge? Gosh. Because part of boxing, and it may sound weird, but part of boxing is learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, so yeah. do you think that had anything to do with it or? Everything. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was Moses and Karen and Jillian and uh, the other women that I made friends with there who are my best friends today. I mean, they were all at my wedding. I live across the country from them now and I call Moses every week or partly because he yells at me if I don't and partly because he's one of my favorite people. But yeah, having a community to train with and and Haymakers did a really good job of that. Like going through training and just the other couple of folks who were in the gym with me who fought that same night was really special just because it felt like even though they weren't people I was sparring with, I think Meyer was actually mostly men that I had trained with. But just coming on to fight night and feeling like you have a team in this sport that's very, very solitary and can be really lonely, but also the community of the gym and feeling like these people that I sparred with who literally beat me up on my way to my fight were there, you know, crying and screaming for me and just uh, in my corner in both the physical and uh, an emotional way was was huge. One more question regarding the boxing part. What was your favorite part of training? The thing that sticks out most to me in that time, you know, you my experience was that I kind of had to put a lot of other parts of my life on hold during training, which sounds really terrible. You know, you're going to bed early so that you can get up early to train. You can't be out drinking because one, you'll not wake up at your alarm clock Two, the weight won't come off. And three, you just feel miserable and can't get a good workout in if you're, you know, out having those parts of your life. And also it's just, you know, you don't want to be going out for dinners where, you know, you're going to have to run extra miles to make weight. It's just all of these things that you don't think about as being, such parts of your social life in New York are just not the most important thing during those months. And so I actually wasn't seeing some of my friends and some of the, um, you know, going out to the bars wasn't really part of my life during that time. But what it got replaced with was these early mornings. I got to the point in the end where I was just so excited to wake up and get to the gym in the morning. My alarm was going off at like five o'clock. I was the first one in the gym, still dark out. And I would go on these walks in New York. I would walk into, um, through um, Chelsea, where I lived in Flatiron into Mendez. And it was this time of day where it was just so quiet. Nobody else was awake. It was a time to like really be with my thoughts, reflect on the workout I was going to have, reflect on the reason that I was doing this crazy sport that, you know, lots of people <laughs> tried to talk me out of doing, that I had tried to talk myself out of doing. And just that kind of mental space, I think was was my favorite part. I mean, I loved the workouts. I I loved sparring by the end. I it was so fun and I just learned so much about myself. But I think 
those mornings where I could just really get my head right, not only for trading, but for the day um, became something that was really important. I, that is when I think of boxing, when I think of New York, when I think of 5 a.m. sessions, just that that walk to the gym is one of the most romantic sort of yes. beautiful images that you can have of the city and of boxing and of, you know, just what a way to begin the day. When we return from the break, we're going to talk more about Steph's connection to the cause and an awesome fundraising idea she had to support those donating in honor of a loved one. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, or better yet, to sign up to be one of our ass-kicking do-gooders, visit haymakersforhope.org. Round two. Steph, could you tell us a little bit more? I know you had mentioned it earlier, but could you tell us a little bit more about your um, connection to the cause? Yeah. So, um, like I said, my mom had had um, a cancer scare, had had a situation where um, she was trying to figure out some um, some medical things. And it seemed for a little while like uh, it was going to be a diagnosis of cancer. And it was just so terrifying just the feeling of being really helpless and feeling like there was nothing to do other than wait is, you know, what sort of initially led me to look for a way to fundraise again for cancer research. And that was at the time I was lucky not to have anybody close to me who was in the middle of a battle with cancer. Um, again, finding out that my mom was okay. was like this huge blessing. But as I started fundraising, I had asked people to let me know who they were donating in honor of. And anyone who had somebody that they wanted me to fight for, donate and let me know their name. And over this number, I'll uh, write their name on my arm in Sharpie. So they'll be there kind of, I think I wrote it on my um on my arm that I jab with. I love that. Punch. <laughs> love that. Yeah. And so it was just, um, you know, it was, I did it in Sharpie so that even when I got sweaty, it, it stayed on there. And, um, that whole day, I just sort of walked around with all this, uh, ink on me of, um, the people that I was thinking about. And it helped me just kind of ground it that it wasn't really about me. I would get these notes of, fighting for my grandmother that I tragically lost to cancer or uh, donating for my sister-in-law who's going through her own battle. It just felt like it was mind-blowing how many people were affected by this disease that I didn't even know about. So I felt really quickly as soon as those fundraising donations started coming in that I was in this whole network of people that were actually dealing with the effects of cancer, even though it wasn't my inner circle specifically at that time that was in the middle of the fight. And that was the thing that kind of really fueled it for me is this sort of second wave of, oh my gosh, this is the thing that I need to be spending my time on. This is the thing that I absolutely am committed to helping this way that that Haymakers allowed me to. So. We're going to jump back a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about your involvement with raising money for cancer and cancer research. So a lot of the times you hear people's big, people's biggest kind of uh, stumbling block for signing up is that they're afraid of the commitment of raising money. And everyone that I've always spoken with, they're always like, oh, I'm so scared. I got to raise all this money. I don't know if I can do that. And all the alumni have always said, oh, my God, that's the easiest part. It's, you know, all the other things that are incredibly difficult. What was your experience with the fundraising aspect? A thousand percent, not hardly the hardest part of the whole experience. Doesn't even register on the top five. 
No. So my, I actually really had fun with the fundraising. I really, I took it as kind of a challenge of what are some creative ways that I can get people to know about this, to be excited about it. And so I, uh, some things that I did, my, uh, I baked cookies in the shape of boxing gloves and I sold them at work and asked people to donate for that. That, that is the cutest kind of a thing fun, ever. Silly one. <laughs> that was a fun one. That is adorable. Um, and then I um, did, my husband hosted a like pre-game party before my fight and asked people to donate in order to come for it. And um, they all kind of got amped up to watch the fight, which was, which was really fun. And I think that's the thing too, with Haymakers for Hope fundraising, it's not that it's easy. It's a lot of money and, you know, everybody, it's hard to ask people for money. It's uncomfortable to ask people for money, but it just always felt like I wasn't asking for myself. It felt like, oh my gosh, here's this thing that affects people. Everyone knows somebody, or if they won't, sadly, they will know somebody who's going to have to deal with this. And so the idea that we can be getting ahead of it or helping to honor somebody who had a really valiant fight by raising money for this cause that actually, you know, is going to eliminate this thing. Like maybe we haven't done it yet, but it's certainly not for lack of spreading awareness and raising money. And it just felt like it was the easiest fundraising I've ever done. I've done this for, uh, you know, other areas of my life and for other charities. And it just felt like something that people were so excited to give to. And it's just so different too. Like that's what you know, I think is one of the genius things about Haymakers is there's just nothing like it. Like everybody can run a race or everybody can, you know, go to a bake-a-thon, but you know, you're actually putting yourself out there to, you know, take one on the chin actually for this cause. And I think people are really excited to support that and to be a part of it through donating. I really love the the idea of the Sharpie and writing the names down. I think that is, I mean, that's so, I get chills when you said that. That is a really powerful Thank thing you, to do. That's really, really cool. When we return from the break, we're going to get advice from Steph on something she would have told herself prior to fighting and discuss how Haymakers has impacted her after the bell. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. Did you know there's more to haymakers than just boxing? We also have opportunities for you to lace up your sneakers and run a marathon with Team Haymakers. Or grab your clubs and play in one of our golf tournaments. Visit haymakersforhope.org for more. Round three. If you could tell someone who's about to embark on this four-month boxing journey, if you could tell them one thing, what would you tell them? I, it's hard to pick one thing because Haymakers is one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, I, anyone um, at Mendez who was considering signing up for it or the coaches who had someone that they wanted to try and go out for a match, they would send them to me because I just think, wish that everybody could have the opportunity to go through this totally life-changing experience. I love to talk about it. I love to give advice about what I learned from it. But I think the the main thing is you know, you, you have the fundraising going on, you have all of the excitement and social, there's just all these elements to it. But the thing that I wish I could go back and tell myself is that on the night of the fight, when you're backstage and you're 
you know, you've got your headgear on, the doctor checked you out, you're strapped into your gloves and you're just waiting for your ring walk, which is, by the way, the still like the coolest thing I've ever felt in my life was my music playing while I walked. <laughs> what was your song? Like a superstar. My song was California Queen by Wolf Mother. It was like this like rock, like really pumped me up. But I had these cool gloves with the California state flag on it. It was it was pretty cool. <laughs> but um but I think the to go back to your question, the the thing I wish I could have gone back in time and told myself the first day is that the thing that makes you nervous is standing there backstage waiting to go on and feeling like you didn't do every single thing, milk every single moment of that fight. And and I don't think I did, partly because I think I was new to competitive sports. I was so new to boxing. There was a lot going on in my life. I think it took me probably a month and a month and a half to really take it as seriously as I ended up doing where I was doing my road work without being told, you know, eating what was going to fuel me for, you know, my best training sessions. And I just really, it took me a little while to get into that. And you kind of stand there thinking about the things that you could have done a little bit harder, been a little more, uh, disciplined on. And since that I've had, um, a handful of other fights and the best feeling is knowing that you did everything and there's nothing that you could have done to better prepare yourself and you're going to go out and do your job and do your fight. And so I think that the experience, uh, my Haymakers fight was wonderful and I didn't have that feeling, that sense of having done everything I could, but it would have been even better if I could just really step out there saying I gave it absolutely everything I had. I really I love that perspective of what you would tell yourself, because, we, you know, we've been thinking about what questions that we want to ask you. And, you know, we were as we were planning on doing the podcast and your name just kept coming up. It's like, oh, Steph Kent, Steph Kent, Steph Kent. So I was <laughs> I was I was really excited to meet you. Um, yeah. And that's a really great perspective, because as we're thinking of questions and the question is, what would you tell someone else? I really like that perspective of what you would tell yourself. So I, I appreciate you like that, yeah. that. That's very cool of you to kind of bring it that way. Also, can't can't let it go past that you. So you've had other matches is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. How yeah. many? How many others? I think I've had about five fights since my Haymakers okay. one. Are you still competing? Yeah. Um, so I am not currently, but I plan to be. I just had um, a baby a couple months ago, but I'm proud to say that inspired by Julie, who I saw doing a pregnant workout at the gym one time, <laughs> I was training up until the last month before my son was born. Oh, um, and great. yeah, and uh, hope to be again soon because it was absolutely the thing that I missed most more than more than wine, more than I'm officially announcing your comeback then. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank Steph you. Kent will be fighting <laughs> in a here. city near you. You've heard it here first. Well, along yes. with you continuing to compete, which typically a lot of the people who do Haymakers, they're one and done. They've never competed before. Almost everyone never competed before. A lot of people never go on to compete. We do find that the people who do go on to compete, the majority are women. Um, but could you tell us a little bit more, like your post-Haymakers life outside of competition, how has boxing continued to be part of your life post-Haymakers? Yeah. Well, so it's funny, the day after my fight, I didn't go to the gym. And it was the first time in three, four months that I hadn't gone to the gym. And my parents had flown into town. I had friends. It was supposed to be this whole day. And I felt so sad. I just felt 
off, not going to the gym. I felt like, oh my gosh, is this part of my life over now? I did haymakers and now is it done? And I think I had been so singularly focused on the haymakers fight night that I hadn't really considered. Nobody even asked me, are you going to keep fighting? I was just so focused on this one, this one day. November 14th, I remember. And um, the day after I just had this kind of crash of, oh my gosh, all my friends, all these things I love about training, I'm not going to get to have that anymore. And then I sort of snapped out of it. And I was like, wait, I can go back there. So the next, literally the next day I took one day off and then I was back in the gym. And, you know, my coach Moses was, honey, I'm proud of you. You did a great job. We've got a lot of things to work on. And it was right back into improving. And it wasn't even, um, I think I did know that I wanted to do another fight, but it wasn't even focused on on the fighting. It was more just like, you know, you did this crazy, impossible thing of, you know, I'd never thrown a punch four months ago and I had a fight in front of 1,500 people, which is insane. And so you go through this very quick almost sort of triage learning to box. You learn, at least at my gym, um, and I get the impression this is all of the the trainers that Haymakers works with, you um, kind of learn really quickly how to protect yourself, how to be safe in your sparring and the fight that you're going to have. And then, you know, you learn how to, how to box, but that's something that can take years to get right. It's a very complicated sport. It's a really difficult sport. So um, my fight after Haymakers, I felt like I actually had improved a lot more because even though I always felt safe, I always felt like I knew how to protect myself. I always felt like I knew how to get distance when I needed it. And my conditioning was good. My technique definitely, you know, had a ways to go from that really intense, learn as much as you can in four months time. So I just loved it. I can't imagine my life without it. I don't know how I would have found boxing if it wasn't through Haymakers for Hope. And I can't imagine uh, that I'll ever not at least do some shadow boxing or want to want to hit a bag uh, for some exercise. <laughs> There's also uh, we know that you are a and you can correct me here if I'm wrong, that you are a writer yeah. for Boxing Insider. Yeah. And you know what's wild is I wasn't even really like a fan of boxing like I, rem- I remember my dad watching um Mike Tyson fights when I was mm. a kid like I remember a bunch of people being over to watch like really big matches but it wasn't a sport that I followed it wasn't a sport that I knew a ton about and it that's another thing that this whole experience has brought into my life is you know I've gotten to learn about it write about it interview people about it and yeah there's just so many so many things yeah. to, to enjoy about boxing boxing is magical in the sense that it you meet people in a boxing gym, especially in New York City. I mean, New York City, you meet people from all walks of life. And the one common denominator that makes you, that makes people who would probably never look twice at you on the street, makes them become your family is the sport of boxing. And it gets under your skin and it just becomes like part of your DNA. And it's, it's, it's a very, very special sport. And it's so much more than like just an athletic feat, which is really cool. So I, it, you obviously got the bug and however many years later are still, are still in the thick of it. So it makes me smile. Yeah, no. And it's like one of the things that I'm most grateful for. Again, my, some of my best friends, the most important people in my life came to me through boxing. I feel like I have, uh, you know, this practice, this activity that is going to hopefully be in my life for a really long time. And then just the mental aspects of it. I mean, the application that, boxing mentality has in all other areas of your life, how you deal with things that are difficult, 
how you uh, work through challenges, how you learn new things, how you uh, react when there's something really intense going on. All of that boxing is just the most uh, incredible mental training for. I always tell people who are are surprised that I do boxing that uh, it's really more like chess or like meditation than it is like war, like some battle thing. Like that's definitely what it looks like. But when you're actually in it and you're actually practicing it and actually trying to learn it as a skill, it's uh, insane how applicable it is to pretty much everything else I've encountered in life. <laughs> I've heard it being described as chess before, kinetic chess, you know, or with, with consequences. I've never heard it as meditation, but I do, I yeah. see that. I really, really see that because you just lose yourself in that. Yeah, that's the um, speed bag to me is like, I can't do the meditation apps. I get too like fidgety, but I think I get the same benefits if I if I do a speed bag. So you're <laughs> saying that boxing can give someone inner peace and you guarantee I, that that's... I think so. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll stand by that. I would agree. <laughs> I agree with that. So why do you think someone should participate in Haymakers for Hope? I can't think of a single reason why someone should not participate in Haymakers for Hope. Um, but I think the biggest reason is you can actually make a difference. You're actually raising money that's going to these causes, these charities, these research centers that are actually going to be the things that, that cure cancer. And I don't think there are very many organizations out there that say that. And selfishly, it's also a really great, uh, fun way to get in shape. So I think between the two of those, uh, lots of good reason to sign up. Steph, you've been, you've been awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I just, oh, I just love Steph's story boy. and just now that I know that you didn't mean to sign up and <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it, makes is... it makes it even better. But just knowing that you went into the gym and you kind of had this hesitation and you dug deep and boxing makes you learn so much about yourself. And just, you know, especially knowing that you, you trained out of Mendez, which has a very large part of my heart. And to know that, to talk to somebody who had such a great experience with the organization, but is also, as we like to say, H.O. and Mendez, um, along with along with myself, it's uh, it's really, it's great to have you here and to hear your story and to share it with everyone. Thank you guys so much for having me. Talking about this experience is honestly one of my favorite things. So thrilled to help be a part of this. And as always, anything you guys ever need, I'm so thankful for that experience and what it's done for my life. So love you guys. Thank you, Steph. Thanks, Steph. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We're grateful for your support. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the podcast and tell a friend. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, or better yet, sign up to fight to KO cancer, visit haymakersforhope.org. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented and produced by Haymakers for Hope in partnership with Studio Pod Media. Our producers are former fighters Jordan McMillan and Julian Lewis. I'm Julie Kelly. And I'm Todd Buster Paris. You've been listening to Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell.